Take your Bible this morning and turn into the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. One of Paul's writings to the church of Colossae. He's wrote this letter to them. I'm going to use about three different references out of the New Testament this morning and preach on what God wants us to have. And we're in the area of the home today. And I'll give you the reason why in just a moment. Our home is being, or not home, but homes are being affected by the world today, the flesh and the devil. Our homes are in in dire need of the touch of God. Not only our homes, but our churches as well. And I pray that God might have His will in your heart as we study this together. Colossians chapter number 3. We're going to verse number 18 and read through the remainder of the chapter through verse number 25. And we'll stand and read that together. And I pray that God might give us what we stand in great need of today. I pray you won't go out as dead as you are now. I pray God will help you when you leave here. You'll have a more determination to do than you do now. Amen. Going to the house of God does something for me. It helps me and strengthens me. And I give God the glory. Colossians chapter 3 verse number 18 says, Wives, uh uh-oh, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, uh uh-oh, and be not bitter against them. Children, uh oh, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, uh oh, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, uh oh, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. But in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. God says that several times in the Bible. That's good. Let's be seated and let's pray. Father, give us wisdom this morning. I pray God you would unctionize the message with the power of God from on high. Lord, I pray you'd speak to every soul, every heart, every life, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman. Lord, may we hear the voice of God this morning by sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. I pray, God, that the power of God might direct it from my heart to the hearts of the people. And I pray, God, that we'll listen and not ignore, but pay attention with undivided attention to the Word of God. Have your own will and way, and we'll give you the praise and the glory. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's two things right now in America or around the world as far as that's concerned that are hated and despised to the fullest extent. And that's the church, amen, and the home. May I stop to tell you right off that God introduced both of them to society. He performed the first marriage between Adam and Eve and we know that. God brought them two together and said, let, let not man put asunder, you know, what God's put together. Right? Now, He's the one to institute the home. He set it up in all the affairs and everything. And then He's instituted the church. God loves the home and God loves the church. And I love the home and I love the church. Out of all the 50-something years of preaching, I preached a lot of messages on the home. So goes the home, so goes the country. Our homes are falling apart. Our churches are falling apart. And our country is just about completely fell apart. Somebody said, I'm looking for it to change. I am too, but not on this earth. Amen. I'm... Afraid we've gone too far uh, for some, and I'm not saying God's not able. There's at some point in time that God's going to get enough of our foolishness and our putting away God and going against God. There's going to be a time that God said, That's enough. He did it with Israel. Amen. Now, I didn't come here this morning with three points and a point. Amen. I didn't come here. To give you something that sounds good and looks good. I didn't come this morning to preach you a sermonette. To a bunch of little Christianettes. Can't wait to get to the kitchenette. Amen. To eat a dinnerette. Smoke their cigarette and take a nappyette this evening. Amen. Amen. I come to preach to you the word of the living God. Amen and amen. I didn't come to preach to you a social gospel. I hear so many people in the world today talking about a social gospel. I was in a place of business this week and they said, what kind of church are you? I said, we're an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental uh, King James Bible preaching church. He said, do you have a food program? I said, I sure do. Every service open the Word of God and I share it from Genesis to Revelation. I feed them the beans of heaven and the taters of glory. Amen. Amen. And they'll take that or not take that. He said, why are you talking about that? I said, what are you talking about? He said, do you have a food program where that you feed the poor? I said, where do you find that in the Bible? Jesus didn't feed them either except sit down on the hillside uh, when they needed help and He fed them. And He noticed, and that's fine. You hungry? We'll feed you. Amen. But having a food program, uh, you know, they have all kinds of things. Churches are not in. That's a social gospel. Something besides what God wants. You know what God told us to do? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, amen, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
And that's what I try to do. Amen. I, I was looking at that and I, you know, I had this little thing popped up on my phone this week and it said the meth is in real trouble. And I said, hey, they just found that out. <laughs> and they had, the, they had the, what they call the first uh, drag queen. Uh, they, did anybody see that? You did. Uh, the first drag queen. He's an associate pastor. The reason he's not that yet is because they hadn't ordained him. He's up for being ordained. And matter of fact, the Methodist was fixing to split and they put it off because of COVID for two years. They're going to still get back with it. They're going to split over them things. And it's over the LGBTQ stuff. They wanted to pull into all Now this little fella, his name is Isaac Simmons, but his church name is... You remember that's what Hollywood done for a long time? They still do it. Some of the names you hear about Hollywood, that's not their real names. They got alias names. But this fella calls himself Penny, P-E-N-N-Y, Cost, C-O-S-T. His name's Penny Cost. On his birth certificate, it's Isaac Simmons. Amen. And here's what he said. He says, God is nothing. I read his article. Lord have mercy. It was a refute, amen, to the Word of God. I mean, it was awful, terrible. You with me? Pitiful. And that's where we're living. And we allowed that to get... Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is because uh, we have a lot of it. Amen. It's important that a set of parents, mother and daddy, raise their children to be what their children are. You don't raise your boy to be a girl and you don't raise your girl to be a boy. Said, I got a little girl and she's a tomboy. Shame on yourself. <laughs> my mother-in-law brought a little old toy or two for Christmas to my two boys. It was little old dolls. And they were masculine dolls. Roy Rogers dolls. Gave them to Christmas, give them to Christmas to these boys. And I said, You'll have to take them back. They can't use them. She said, They're just Boy dolls, I said, I don't, they're dolls. You said it right, dolls. My boys don't play with dolls. Now that went over good with a mother in law. (laughs) Amen. But I'm telling you, I know what the story is. I told my boys, uh, when you get grown, you're going to walk like a man, talk like a man. Speak like a man, live like a man, and smell like a man if you have to leave your deodorant off. Women just smell different than men. I can't help it. That's the way God made you. And if you mamas are trying to make your little boys smell like little ladies, somebody ought to work on you good, but you need the altar first. Amen. 
Now I want to get out to the message this morning. In verse 18, he says, Wives, this may not go over good for some of you, but I'm here to tell you, I didn't come to tell you what you wanted to hear. The Bible starts off, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Notice one thing it does say there that you maybe not catch. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now, ladies, you don't have a right or an obligation to listen to somebody else's husband. Amen. That means your husband is in charge and nobody else's husband. Now we'll turn that around in just a little bit, in a minute. I want you to read these scriptures when you get home. Read the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians when you get home. Especially down between 20, verse 21 through the remainder of the chapter. And it's going to tell you something like this. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Don't that sound like what I've already said? Now let's go a little bit more to show you what it says in the book of Titus. We're coming back to Ephesians in a minute. But in Titus chapter number 2, he says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now he's going to tell you what sound doctrine is. How many want sound doctrine? Well, amen. I got about a seven or eight of you in here that want sound doctrine. And I appreciate that. Amen. That kind of bothers me. Only seven or eight of you know it wants to sound. You know what sound doctrine is evidently and don't want it. Well, I want sound doctrine. Verse 2 said that the aged men. You know why he said aged don't do it? Sounds better than old man. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith and charity and patience. Then the next verse 3 says the aged women. He's not talking about the little teenagers. He's talking about the aged women. Got a, little, got a little experience on their hands. And he begins to talk about them down through there. Now the Bible says that wives are to submit themselves unto their own husbands. I've preached funerals and I've performed weddings. I don't like neither one. Suit me if I never had to preach another funeral or perform another marriage. Amen. One's getting in our trouble and the other's getting out of trouble. I'll do either one and a lot of them if I have to do it, but I'm saying it's just not one of them things I love to do. There's some preachers, they preach funerals all the time. They love them for funerals. I, I'm glad they don't love me for funerals. Amen. But I go to the tomb and preach to them sometimes. But I'm telling you this morning as I look at the Word of God that God is concerned about the home. Amen. We had uh, a couple of ladies in this church one time. They had a 
some children and their husbands didn't come to church with them. They didn't hang around much with them. And they were raising the children and I preached something like this one time. I said, uh, Mama, let me tell you who's number one in your life. It should be God. Now ladies, if you don't like that, that's just tough. That's what God wants. Let me tell you what the number one or who the number one person in the lives of you men. God. Now can I tell you who the second person in your life is? If you're married, your husband. And I said, then it's your children. And then, amen, it's all the other things that come along with life. But it's God first, your husband second, and your children third. And those two women like to flog me like two old satin hens. Said, preacher, my children is my life. My children's number one in my life after God. And I said, you need to get right with God. Of course, they didn't stay long. They left. Now, some of y'all may not agree with me this morning. But I want to talk about the order of the home this morning. And if you don't get the order of the home, you're going to mess up. It's not for the mama to make sure that the principles of the home is established. It's for the man to do that. It's for the mama to see that what the man says gets into play. You said, ah, I'll do what I have to do for my old man, but I'll do what I have, what I'm going to do, what I want to do for my kids. You done got it out of order. Now, I'm not arguing with you. I wouldn't argue with nobody. But I lived for 54 and a half years with one woman. And God happened to give me a good marriage after both of us growed up. <laughs> Took us a few years. She was out to leave me every day nearly. And I was out to, hoping she would. But finally, we both growed up. And I had a wife that loved me. I believe a woman that loves her husband will be proved to her husband that she loves her husband. Amen. I don't realize or didn't realize it as much till I lost my wife. And for the past two years, I've experienced some things about my wife that I didn't know. I actually know them, but I didn't dawn on me. I come to myself. My wife always made sure she wanted to take care of my business. And I'm not talking about where I spent my money and all those sorts. She wanted to make sure I had something to eat, something to wear, that I looked good when I went out in the public, that she want, and I'll just kind of share a little of that with you just a moment. 
I didn't really rush. My wife used to irritate me a lot by saying a half a dozen times a day, I love you. Irritate me so much that every once in a while I say, you don't have to tell me you love me every time you talk to me. I know you love me. She said, well, I don't want you to forget it. Believe me, I didn't. But at the same time, when she said, I love you, it's triggered something on the inside of me that said, I love you too. And I think what I got aggravated at, and I just, I'm just a plain out normal man. A woman likes to be told they're loved. And a man, you tell him one time, and he, he, will, he, he, he may not forget that for a few months. Don't have to be ever warned. We had good marriage of 54 and a half years because we loved each other. And God put that love in the three kids come along in our life. My wife done everything I believe she needed to do for her. Matter of fact, I believe she went beyond the duties of a mother to take care of my children. I got two boys in here that can tell you that this morning, I believe. She spent time trying to fix them what they wanted. Make sure their clothes is ready. One day I walked in and I, I, I was raised, raised kind of poorly. This may not be something that some preacher would mention in the pulpit, but it means a whole lot to me. I walked in one day after we'd gotten married not too long and I looked at that and I opened the drawer up and there's all my underwear and it's all folded, put in there. And I said to myself, what are you folding my underwear for? She said, I'm just taking care of you. I said, nobody going to see that. Amen. Wad it up and put it in. I ain't doing it. For all them years, she folded my underwear. And I thought, that's strange to me. Come over to my house now. I got it wadded up and put in the basket. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? That's the difference. She would cook me what I She said, I'm fixing this for supper. I said, oh, what? She said, yeah, I know it's your favorite. Put it on the table and I'd eat it. Love it. I mean, she folded up in my towels, folded them up real pretty and straight, and I thought, she's got to spend time. I ain't got time for this junk. She'd say, I love you. You said, well... Preacher, I know the Bible says that the woman's supposed to be the helpmate. Ain't nobody going to argue with me. There you go. The Bible don't say a woman is the man's helpmate. A helpmate. It said the woman is the man's helpmate. What's that mean, preacher? It means she takes care of him. You said if you lived with a man like I live, well, you wouldn't take care of him. And reading the Word of God, where that that might help you to win him to God, out of the book of Peter, your conversation, your holy conversation, can do it. I look in the Word of God, and it says this in verse number nineteen, and I'll read here, and it says here, 
Husbands, love your wives. Now for years, I preached this. I said, the Bible says and tells the men about their relationship with their wife at home. It says, husbands, love your wives. But nowhere in the Word of God does it say that wives to love their husbands. And I searched that and searched that. And one day, it just dawned on me. I run across this little verse of Scripture right here. And I had to change my whole entire way of thinking. Go to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2. The Bible said in verse number 4 that they teach, and he's talking about the older women, the aged women, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. Amen. And what you do and how you treat your husband will prove to him that you love him. What you do and say to your wife, men, will prove to your wife that you love her. Down at Walmart and here comes some, I don't know, trash or something walking up the street. Ain't got no hardly no clothes on. You're watching her and your little sweet wife standing beside you and she sees it. What do you think she feels? You love her, you'll keep your eyes off everybody else. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know why I said that. I ain't taking it back. But what he says here, that the men are to love their husbands and be not what? Bitter against them. Men, have you ever got bitter to your wife? He said, love your husbands. Did I say, oh, I was trying to think about it. I thought I said bitter to your wife. That's what I thought I said. I didn't get the first thing. Men, you love your wives. Boy, now you can see where the devil's been all day. (laughs) Trying to put everything he can in. I told this Wednesday night, I said, and I've told this in Sunday school this morning, I preached on uh, Wednesday night and I talked about for the past 50 years I've preached to devils, rats, and snakes. And I mean spiritually in the church. And then Thursday morning down here, old snake down there stuck his head out of my grill of my truck. <laughs> He'd been in there, I guess, all night. I don't know. We got him out of there. If he'd have crawled in the cab in there, son, we'd have had a tragedy. <laughs> and the devil's after me. He'd like to stir me up and get me at the wrong place. But I'm saying to you, what's he say here? He says that husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. Amen. You're not careful, you'll get bitter towards your wife. If there's any entity in your life that you need to guard, it's two of them. One is your relationship with the Lord Jesus and your relationship with your wife. Let me give you something in, in, the, in the Word of God that kind of goes right along with this and helps you. There are seven churches of Asia in Revelation chapter 1 through 
Well, it actually starts at chapter 2 and 3. Seven churches of Asia. The first one is Ephesus. The church at Ephesus. And the Bible said about the people at Ephesus, they left their first love. What that means is they started off good, but they finally took that church for granted. Then they got cold and slugged out and got to the place they wouldn't do. And they lost that love. When a couple gets married in these days, they call it the first part of it a honeymoon. When a new preacher takes over a new church and he had never been there and everybody loves him to death, the first six months, sometimes it don't last that long, but sometimes a little longer. They just want to have a honeymoon. They love the preacher. But in six months, he kind of gets cold and old. And that gets cold. When a man or a woman gets married, they take each other for granted. And if you're not careful, you'll do that as a husband. You'll do that as a wife. And you have to work on keeping that honeymoon in the marriage. Somebody said, well, you ought to send her flowers every once in a while. I had a problem with that when I was married. You said, why? You ever send your wife flowers? Yeah. But she didn't like flowers. I found out a little later in life when she was working a job. She didn't work in jobs since she's trying to raise kids. But our kids, you know, didn't have to put up with that then. But... She finally went to work, and when she did, I found out I could send her flowers to the job because she could brag about that. <laughs> and she left them there till they just about wielded down and bring them home. Understand, she didn't like flowers. She didn't really like them. So there's two reasons why I didn't send her flowers all the time. One, she didn't like them, and two, I couldn't afford them. Some of y'all maybe, now we're living in a time today when you know you, you let everything else go and you do that. Well, that's good in a sense, but you've still got an obligation. And I look at this and I see it. And I see that husbands should love their wives. Wives should love their husbands. And I'm telling you that that's the order of the, of the Lord God. He wants you to love Him first. You say, what about the children? Should mama love the children more? How can, you, how can you say, how can a man and a woman bring forth a child and you got to be a pervert or something wrong with you for the husband not to love the kids as good as the mama does? Now mama will do a better job with them than the man can because he don't show his emotion. Right? Daddy says I love you. He means that. Usually, as a general rule, some don't. But he does. He says, I love you. I, I tell you what, when I was a kid, my daddy didn't tell me he loved me much. Except when he got the whip out. And he said, I, I love you. And this hurts me worse than it does you. And I couldn't figure that out till I got grown. 
But I can't, I'm standing here before you and I never, I don't know as I ever heard my mama ever tell me she loved me. She may have, but I don't know it. I can't remember it. But I believe she did. Because she threw the cornbread in front of me. Out of, uh, I guess that counted. I don't know where she loved me or not, but she she did. All this. I got a brother here. I'm not up here trying to preach nothing that ain't so. He'll tell you. I never heard my mama pray in all my life. I heard my daddy pray. I saw my daddy read the Bible. If it hadn't been for my daddy, I'd have never got saved. I don't guess. Because daddy got born again and come to the house, sat down and read his Bible every night and drank his coffee and he'd drink coffee and read the Bible and drink coffee and read the Bible. Mom would say, he's going to go crazy over the Bible. And then when I got saved and later started preaching, as a teenage boy, I didn't preach then, but when I got married and started preaching, mom. Mama would say to me, I was going to meetings every night, and she'd say, you're going to go crazy over that religion. And I guess that's what's happened to me. I'm crazy now. But I sure am having a time of my life. Amen. I'm enjoying it now more than I've ever enjoyed it. So I'm trying to tell you, you see those things and you look at this and it's a blessing. The Bible said for wives to love their husbands and husbands love your wives. Wives you're to submit because that's what God has told you. Then he said children obey. That's one of the promises of God for longer life, isn't it? God says to some of them, he says to you, he said, you know, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the earth. Somebody I heard the other day lived to be a little over a hundred. And I said, boy, they must have loved their parents. At least honored them. <laughs> Amen. If that's the case, some of y'all might better go by and get the arrangements made for your life. I've seen these people treat their mamas and daddies. That goes two ways, by the way, and that's the next point I'm going to bring down because the Bible said in verse 21, fathers... Provoke not your children to anger. I was sitting on this message. It's just kind of strange how God does it. Isn't it amazing how God will put you at the right place at the right time and the right things happen? I was studying this scripture and went over to see my great grandbaby yesterday. And uh, my daughter called and said, We're not going to be there for a little while. I said, That's fine. I'll go get me something to eat. Then I come on a little later, and I did. I stopped at this place over in Cleveland. Got me something to eat, and I'm sitting there eating. And knowing that my daughter's going to be, like she always is, dragging. I got more time than I thought. So I just have to eat a little slower. And here come this family in. A man, his wife, two little boys, and a, I guess a, girl up I guess she probably 12 years old or better the boy must have been 8 or 10 the other must have been about 7 they come in went to the restroom and come out and uh, the next thing I 
seen is the man come out and he's all over that middle boy there on his case and he was crying. And he said to him, you can't order your food. I'll have to order it for you. You're not going to get that privilege. And I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, but it's just doing it in the public, so I wouldn't do that. So he stood over there, not with the family, and he's off himself and he's crying. I'm looking out the corner of my eye. I don't want him to see me seeing him. And the other little boy, the mama got the cup and brought it over there and handed it to him and said, here, you can get your tea. I'm not very far from him. And he goes over there and he gets his ice and his cup and he goes over and he looks at that and then he comes to the next container and looks at that and then comes back and he puts it back over here. I'm watching him. He's putting it over here. And he sits it down and, he says, and his daddy comes over there. And he said, can't you get your tea, son? He said, I don't know which one's sweet. He said, well, read. He says what? Sweet. He said, tea. He said, what's this and say? Sweet. What's this and say? Tea. He said, they're both sweet. Can't you see that? You can get it out of either one of them. And I thought, well, amen. Dog must have bit him or something. And he's taking it out on the boy. Well, the little boy, I mean, he sees two, two jugs. When there's something different, you don't usually see two jugs. There's two jugs. Is both of them the same? You look at them, yeah, they are. But he didn't know that. And I read that and, it, and I said, thank you, Lord. That'll help me tomorrow. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Amen. Said, preacher, you ever done that? I'm alive, ain't I? <laughs> That's right. Brother Bill, I'd do a lot better job if I was raising my kids now starting all over knowing what I know now than I would have when I started. Amen. Amen. I get some amens on that one, wouldn't you ladies be better mamas today if you had your children to go all over again with? Wouldn't you men be better daddies if you had your time to go all over it with now? You can't. So the best thing to do is this day to get in your mind and in your heart and settle it before you and God that you're going to be the best daddy that your kids have ever had and the best mama your kids have ever had in this world. Matter of fact, that's all they've got. Amen. Amen. I've had to kind of show, to help my boys out since they got grown, and I'll think about it. And these boys don't even know what I'm fixing to say now. But I sit and cry sometimes. So, listen, my boys have had a good life. Amen. I, I believe I taught them principles, and I put my kids up against anybody's. But I want to tell you this. I fail all along the way. I don't know a parent in here hadn't failed. Amen, that's right. 
I don't know a mama in here that hadn't failed with her children. I don't know a daddy in here. If you think your daddy or you think your husband's been the best daddy there is or the worst daddy, I want you to take a look at yourself in the mirror when you get home. Hey, it may work both ways. I believe every mama would say I could see some big re- uh, room for improvement. Same thing with every man that's ever tried to raise in children. So I bet all I can tell you now, if you failed in days past, the best thing to do is get your act together and sh- take up and make up for it now. Amen. Amen. If, I, if your kids don't care too much for you now, when they're looking at your cold corpse, I'll guarantee you they ain't going to think much about anybody better about you then either. Just a little bit maybe. Except, whew, they're out of my hair. When I'm going on, my kids look at me and say, he was a good daddy. He failed. He missed the mark. He comes short. But he was a good daddy. I say the same thing of the preacher. Praise God. I don't want my congregation looking at me and say he is a sorry, low-down rascal. I want them to say, I, I didn't agree with him on everything, but he preached the Word of God to me. Amen. Amen. I stir you up every once in a while, and I know it. And when I get to where I can't stir you up, I'm going to go back to the throne of God and see if I can't get equipped again to come back, because that's my job. My job is not to pat you on the back, squirt a little rose water and tell you how good you are. My job is to tell you where your problems are. Amen. And that's what I want to do. I listen to preaching all the time, day and night nearly. Not night most of the time, but pretty, pretty well up into the night. And brother, I'll tell you, I hear a lot of sermons and there's a lot of them you never hit to hear what I preach because God used them to skin my hide. I need preaching too, just like you do. And I've been preached to, and I thought the other day I felt it was going to wear me out good. And I was glad when he went off. Amen. I did listen to him because I didn't want to disrespect him. He wouldn't have known it no how. He's dead, and on top of that, he's on radio. But he helped me. If there's anything, and I didn't even really get to preach what I wanted to preach today, he got... Running rabbits, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe we need to secure our churches and our homes Amen. with the Word of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The devil hates the church and the devil hates the home. If he ever tires the home down, he'll tire the country down. Is that what he's doing tonight, today? He's tearing the home down. What us preachers used to preach 20 years ago, it's not standard anymore. They don't live the same today. Homes don't mean much. I think it was last year that the guy, I don't know who it is, come out with it, but they said last year that the divorce rate was 51% in the Christian world and 49% in the world itself. 
In other words, there's more divorces in the church now than they are outside. How about that? Let's stand. What's your number? 307. Red Book.